up, what's up, what's up? This is not just a strength coach. In this episode, I got another wonderful guest, Coach Jazz. She's currently at North Carolina A&T doing the strength and conditioning thing. Um, this episode right here, you're going to hear a lot of things, like a lot of things, especially as young coaches. Um, just go ahead and get that pen and pad ready. Uh, without further ado, here's Coach Jazz. What's up, Coach? How everyone doing? Uh, I'm Coach Jazz. Um, like you said, I, I'm currently at uh, North Carolina A&T, Director of Player Development for Women's Basketball there. Um, I just got there in uh, the end of July. Um, so far, so good, man. Everything's been flowing. Um, the girls are adapting well to, to my programming and, and my system and the, and the way of training that I have kind of sorted out for them. Um, we also have like a huge um, buy-in system, and it starts from the top. Like our head, our head coach, Coach uh, Terrell Robinson, um, he's he's very particular in how he wants his program ran and how he wants his ladies to to act and train. And you know, they come in with that mindset every day to work hard. Um, so it, it it trickles down, and it's, it it kind of makes our job easier when you have um, you know diligent athletes and. Um, self-efficient athletes so it, it starts from the top down for sure um, yeah definitely um so let's just go ahead and just dive straight into it you know just give you know the audience a, a brief intro about you know who you are where you came from what you did and all those things yeah for sure so um I, I'm originally I'm from Mobile Alabama um I played basketball my entire life <laughs> um, I, I ended up getting a scholarship at uh, LSU Louisiana State University um, played there all four years under Coach Nikki Fargus, Natasha Butts, and Tony Perotti, and a lot of good, a lot of good people uh, in that mix of coaches there. Um, but in the midst of doing that, I always had a passion for for fitness and for working out. Like I always had a passion for that. So that was kind of my end goal. If things basketball wise didn't go well for me, um, so I started uh, that as soon as I got to college. Honestly, I got really close with my strength and conditioning coach, who was uh, Melissa Moore. Melissa Moore still at the time. Um, she knew, everyone knew that I wanted to be a strength coach. They, they, they knew coming in as a freshman. Um, I kind of got to dive in a little more into it my junior and senior year. I got to intern there um, at LSU and do a little bit under Moffitt over there on the, uh, the football side. and uh, But mostly I was on the Olympic side underneath Coach Mel and uh, Coach Rick LaFleur at, um, at LSU as well. And um, so after that, I graduated, uh, the basketball thing, as far as going, you know, overseas professionally, I had a couple of injuries, so it didn't really go as well as I planned on it to do, to be, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So I pursued uh, strength and conditioning as I've been doing my entire uh, years in college. And then once um, I graduated, I had an internship at Michael Johnson Performance Center in McKinley, Texas. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was a summer, uh, like a summer internship. Uh, I got a lot of experience, though it was definitely a lot different than um the college sector the the private the private sector of, of michael johnson was a lot different they, they you know they emphasized a lot on on speed and agilities and i mean of course they had the strength side as well but um it, it definitely you saw the difference between the two so that kind of opened my mind a little bit you know on which way i guess which door i wanted to go in when it came to training and strength conditioning and stuff like that so that was a good stepping stone for me um and while I was there, I <laughs> I was applying for places, but at the time I wasn't certified, so it was hard to get a good, um, I guess, a good opportunity. A lot of places, because you know, you have to have that 
certifications at a lot of places. So I ended up finding this uh, the spot at William Penn University mm-hmm. in Iowa, uh, and I was that was that was wild. I, I got an opportunity. Um, the coach uh, he hired he hired me on, brought me in, gave me a great opportunity there. Um, it was definitely a culture shock. I, I literally went from Texas. Um, me and my dog got a U-Haul and just drove from Texas all the way to Iowa. And it was a it was a great experience. I met a lot of people there. Um, I, I trained. Um, I was in charge of um, – I was assistant to women's basketball there, and I also uh, was with cheer. And then, you know, it being – it was an NAIA school, so I got to assist with um, all the sports there. So that included football, um, track and field, golf, baseball, all the, all the above sports that – you know, you have at your, at your university. So that was an awesome experience. It, it was definitely cold. I spent nine months there. I oh, feel yeah, like yeah. I had nine months of winter. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was definitely something, you know, I'm a Southern, I'm a Southern girl. So being in that atmosphere was, was crazy, but the experience that I got definitely was, was top notch. And it, um, it furthermore led me to my next move, which was uh, getting a graduate assistant um, position at Bethune-Cookman underneath Coach Corliss Fingers. Uh, that was a huge move. Um, it was a great move, and I, I know a big part of the reason why she did hire me uh, was because I had that experience training football at William Penn. So it's, it's almost like if I if I didn't get the opportunity at William Penn, I probably wouldn't have had, you know, a great chance to, to kind of be around football at uh, Bethune-Cookman University. So that... Um, I guess those two kind of transpired and helped me move to where I am right now. Uh, Bethune-Cookman was amazing, man. I, it was definitely – I'm glad I was in the heat, you know, in, in the south. Oh, <laughs> in yeah. Florida. Oh, yeah. yeah in Florida. It was, it, was really, it was really nice. And um, it's a lot of culture in Florida. So, you know, outside of learning and, and growing in the field of strength conditioning, I, I also felt like I grew as a person out there in Florida and met a lot of different people and a lot of different cultures and um, – just being around an atmosphere definitely helped me grow. But um, at, at Cookman, though, I, I was in charge of uh, uh, golf, cheer, and uh, bowling. And, and then I, and I also, it was it was a four-man staff that's including me. So mm-hmm. um, I was in, I, we all helped with football. And football definitely was something I did not think I would be, I guess, as attracted to, but definitely became one of my most favorite sports to train almost. Uh, the, just the guys and their energy every morning at 5 a.m. in the morning, they brought it every time. And right. it was something it was something different and something great to see. Uh, and the football games were crazy. <laughs> Been on the sideline. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, I didn't even – I don't even think I knew as much as I did about football. But now I know a lot, man. You know, I can probably ref a football game or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but no, it was, it was a great experience for sure. And being around all the coaches there, everyone was definitely a family. It was family-oriented for sure. Um, and, and they definitely, they never left anyone behind. So uh, all of that kind of, I guess, led me to where I am now for sure. Once I gradu- I graduated uh, from grad school at Bethune-Cookman in May. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you know, we didn't get the walk because of COVID. But, uh, and that kind of, I guess, put a little fear in my, I guess I was just a little, little nervous about what was going to happen next. You know, it was a lot of hiring freezes and mm-hmm. people was, a, it was a lot of uncertainty of what was next. So. Of course, I had that uncertainty as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and then eventually, I mean, uh, this feels big on connections. You know, who you know sometimes is a lot about who you know instead of what you know. Um, I had a, I have a, a good group of people in my corner. 
uh, motivating me and pushing me to be uh, the best person I could be. And, and of course, uh, we got Coach Fingers, who's, uh, you know, her, her name and her experience and, you know, her passion for this field holds a lot of weight. So me being underneath her uh, gave me a lot, a lot of experience, a lot of, a lot of drive, a lot of go-to. So that helped me get to where I am for sure. And uh, my, my coaches at LSU and everything like that. And I eventually, I spoke to uh, Terry Jones at University of Alabama. Mm-hmm. I got in contact with him. Um, I, I met him while, while I was in, uh, when I was at Iowa, I kind of just calling around trying to, you know, figure out what was next kind of thing. And, um, and he became one of my contacts. And once I graduated from Cookman, um, it's a small world, man. Everyone knows everyone, basically. Right. So he yeah. <laughs> told me about the position at North Carolina A&T. He contacted uh, Coach Walthall, who, I, who I've also spoken with before, you know, mm-hmm. prior to having this position here at A&T. Coach Walthall was, is amazing, for sure. Um, and he contacted him, and basically um, the basketball coach and Coach Walthall are very close, so they spoke, and then my name came up. Um, I, I actually ended up um, applying for the position. I just shot him an email. Um, I'm very persistent, by the way. So, yeah. you know, if I see something I want, I kind of I kind of go for it. So I shot him an email. I shot the head coach email. I emailed Coach Walthall. Um, I, I ended up finding the, the head coach's Instagram. I DM'd him. I sent him a message. I sent him a message through his DMs. And then I commented underneath the post, man. Like, <laughs> I emailed yeah. you, man. I was wondering if you can, like, take an email, see what you thought. Because, I mean, this position seems like gold, you know. And I'm me mm-hmm. being a basketball player previously, it just fits so well in my uh, in my vision of where I wanted to be. I've always wanted to uh, kind of be around a basketball team just because I play basketball and my passion for it. Um, so having having this opportunity up here, I feel like I had to go full force for it. If that's something you want, you know, you got to go right. get it. So I, I definitely I put ten toes in and uh, it came out on the end my way. We had a great connection. Me and the head coach, uh, we spoke on the phone for the first time. We, I think our first time speaking, we had like a two hour conversation. And so it was a uh, and that was just like off the rip, an impromptu kind of interview kind of thing. And mm-hmm. um, it was it was it was pretty great. Um, and I know he called around probably on my for my resume. I know he he called uh, my references and. I'm, I'm pretty sure they hopefully they had great things to say. I guess I guess they did since I'm here now, right? right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but no, everything kind of worked out in my favor, and I and I I really I'm grateful, man. I'm grateful to be here. I'm I'm blessed. I'm honored. Like it's just a, a really great opportunity. I hope that I can just keep seeing it through and keep pushing uh, to be where I want to be. So that's kind of the story. <laughs> oh no, that's an awesome story. Like just just hearing you know you come from LSU. Then you go into, you know, MJP down in Texas, yeah. which is crazy because I just right. talked to somebody who also was down there. Um, I don't know if y'all know each other, um, Nick Lacey or anything, but he uh, he was down there and uh, he said he learned a lot, you know, on the, you know, velocity based training side and, and things like that, like more detail oriented stuff. But um, I want to get more insight from you about, you know, the private sector in comparison to the college sector, you know, you hit on it a little bit, but um, just talk about that a little bit more before, you know, we dive into other things too. Yeah, for sure. I I, I definitely feel like uh, sometimes the private sector, you know, we, they, I feel like they have the majority of their athletes during off season and, you know, in, on the collegiate room, we have them year round basically. So it's almost like we see, where they start and we also kind of see the endpoints. I feel like sometimes on the private sector they may just get their um 
you know, them out of season, you know, if they're, if they're in season, then they probably see their strength coaches that are in season. So I think that's kind of like a, a separation between the two. Um, Mm -hmm. But outside of, but honestly, outside of that, um, you know, we both have the same goals in mind. We both want to, want to make sure that our athletes are, are, you know, reaching their full capability on and off the court and or field. So the, I mean, I know for the private sector, they, they train all, all kids. I know, from literally from maybe like high school all the way to professional. So seeing that side was totally was new for me as well. And, you know, we train athletes who, who can, you know, potentially go to the next level of professionalism and, and be that pro in their sport, but we may not always get that athlete. So seeing the professional athletes come in and the type of training that they have as in correlation to a collegiate player I mean it isn't honest it's honestly not that much of a difference that I that I've seen um but you do have you know grown adults <laughs> you know coming in to train as opposed to your your 20 your 18 to, to 22 year old athlete you know there are two different scales of spectrum there so seeing that difference uh kind of put a an insight on me as well and it's and you know either way the athletes take well to what they're hearing. I, I haven't I haven't seen you know, someone come in on a private sector um, and not give their all. So I think uh, those two separate as well. And also in the private sector, you got to think about it. People are kind of paying for their sessions. Right, so it's yeah. like, you know, you, you, you're paying for it. You might as well get the most out of it. And I guess if, that, if you want to take that into account with the college realm, you know, you're getting a – most athletes have a scholarship, so, you know, they're getting that free education aspect, and it's like you want to do the best you can there so that you don't lose that or waste that opportunity. So, you know, some some is to keep a job, some is to keep a scholarship. Hopefully maybe that's one and the same in the in the athlete's head. Right, and to be honest, it, it kind of is. Like, I, I feel like some coaches think that, you know, the private sector is just, you know, people that just want to take advantage of athletes trying to get better and stuff. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that, you know, some coaches don't have that mindset, but when you know, like at MJP, like those coaches, yeah, they're going to, you know, get paid. Obviously, if you're good at anything, you're not going to do right. it for free. But right. at the end of the day, they want to see you produce and excel as a as an athlete. Like that's what they take pride in is like, you know, I'm mm-hmm. able to, you know, do the things that college coaches can't do because they don't have the time because of the volume of athletes they deal with. You know, exactly. I have a, you know, set schedule that's blocked off for this athlete so I can give everything I got to this athlete. And mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, a lot of college coaches see that and they kind of, you know, you know, cross their arms and bold up their chest and everything. It's just like, oh, they're just doing it for the money. And I'm just like, ah, like until you actually, you know, step foot in a, you know, private sector facility and talk to the person, don't don't have that mindset for sure. Right. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, like, I, I feel like that's just, like, one of the issues just because, you know, I don't know if it's, like, a jealousy type thing. Like, you know, oh, like, you know, he's taking an athlete that I've trained for four years and doing X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z. And I'm just like, well, to be honest, especially, you know, pertaining to football in the spring, like, you don't have that much time to, you know, train the individual athlete themselves because you have, you know, four or five groups that you have to train anyway. So they're going to have to go somewhere if they want to get that individual training. So why not do that? How about, you know, find a good coach to refer them to versus, you know, allowing their agent to, you know, hook them up with somebody. That's very true. And I, th- I know, I feel like some, I, I think sometimes 
uh, even in, on the collegiate realm, you know, athletes tend to find an outside source when it comes to training. You know, I think that they feel um, some people have, you know, that that hometown coach or someone that's been training them forever, and they always tend to go back to them. You know, right. Even though we give them, even though we give them some program, you know, even though we've trained them for four years every summer, or you know, before they come back in June or July during that little break, they'll go back to you know, their comfortable spot. And it's yeah. like, you know, some things you can't control, <laughs> you know, they, they may come yeah. back not knowing what we do as a, as a team, you know, as opposed to what they've been training with their outside source. So it's, I guess it has its pros and its cons, but it's, you know, at the end of the day is if I feel like if the athlete is working, you know, then, then that gives us something to work with, you know, that's better than a, right. that's better than just a standstill athlete that just not getting better, just sit, sitting around playing video games or something like that. So, you know, as long as they have that mindset that they want to get better, you know, when they do come into us on the collegiate realm, the least that we could do, or I guess the most that we will do is is continue to build on what they already have. So, right. You know, and like you just it. hit on like what I was just about to say, like they spent four years out of high school, something they did at that high school got them to the level they're at right now to where Enjoy. you're able to coach them. So don't be offended if they go back to that because you know, four years down the road, after they get done with us, they're going to go somewhere and then come back to us. And like, we need to get out of that mindset of, you know, being like, you know, I trained him. It's my way type stuff. It's like, no, like, no, 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 no. We can't do that. Like if we're telling, you know, our interns and whoever, like, you know, go seek knowledge somewhere else and go do this, that, and the other, like you get the same has to apply to our athletes as well. Like, you know, just because we train a certain way doesn't mean it's the only way. And, you know, mm-hmm. we have to accept that as a coach for our athletes. I know, you know, we hold our athletes dear to our heart, especially, right. you know, once you build that, you know, relationship, relationship. with them. Yeah. yeah. Like, you're like, oh, like, I don't know that person. Well, like, if you care about that athlete that much, like, try to get to know that person that they're, you know, going to, do, you know, do training with or going back to high school, or whatever. Like, and I keep saying, like, yeah, it's a lot of work, but, like, it's going to be worth it down the road because now you're going to have the high school coach, you know, knowing X, Y, and Z. You're going to know X, Y, and Z, and then more than likely, if they go, you know, to the private sector to, you know, someone that you or the high school coach preferred, now y'all all are in the same circle, same network, the same mindset, that athlete's going to be okay. That's very true. That's true. Yeah. Just kind of have like a broad, almost like just have like a broad uh, spectrum when it comes to you know that that viewpoint or, or different coaches and what they do. Right. It, it, it's just it's just us as strength coaches. I feel like you know we just need to you know get out there more and just talk to each other because I feel like mm-hmm. we're in that you know competitive mindset with our athletes and we apply oh, that yeah. to our profession as well. It's just like I like <laughs> we can't do that in all you know. All, yeah, like all, like like we we just can't do that because you know it's going to harm us for sure. Because mm. then you know just think about like if if Coach Fingers was just like you know this is the way we do everything and you know Coach um, Walthall at at um, A and T like his way is like incorrect and stuff like that. Now you you as a graduate assistant is looking up to Coach Fingers and you're you know you're eating off every word that she says and her right. saying that. Is there a good chance that you contact him and reach out to him? Probably, probably not. not. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, probably not. not. Yeah. And yeah. that's a that's a disservice to our profession because we need to grow. And, like, I'm, I'm going to keep mm-hmm. saying this until people, you know, actually understand, like, our profession is not respected 
all, to be honest with you. At that level, we should have respect, you know. Yeah. A lot of people just see us, you know, cut off, you know, hoodie, freaking, you know, crazy hairdo, just just, <laughs> just doing crazy stuff. And I'm just like, that's that's a small part. And that's mainly for our athletes to get them hype. Like, there's a I good feel, chance, yeah. like, you know, if that coach yeah. is doing that every single day, it becomes mm-hmm. white noise to those athletes. There's, there's no possible way, like, dang, like, coach, like, you need to chill out. Like, bro, like, on game day, yeah, we need that. But, like, today's a freaking, you know, light week or active ISO day. Like, we don't we don't need that right now, man. Like, I'm just trying to, right. you know, stretch and get this down. Like, and yeah. that's the thing that, they, you know, social media and just people overall on the outside just don't see because it's not entertaining. And they just mm-hmm. think, you know, we're just – a bunch of meatheads throwing weight around in the weight room. And I'm like, <laughs> if that was the case, like we would have a ton of athletes hurt right now. Like hurt, there's no yeah, possible sure. way, like, you know, we're going to be doing that every single day. And I think like, you know, another, another reason why I made this podcast is just, you know, give all the, give the audience, you know, the view that they don't see, like they only seeing what, you know, they see on social media and like, they don't see, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, freaking the CSCS or the CSCCA, like what's in that book? Like, you know, a lot right. of uh, the people I work with, like we call that, you know, the strength conditioning Bible. Like if you mm-hmm. don't understand those books and the, the, the material given to you, like you're not going to get far in this profession. Like, yeah, you're going to be able to fake the point, but eventually you're going to have an athlete or coach ask you, you know, these tough, hard questions about, you know, something simple as programming or biokinetics and, and how right. kinesiology plays um a role in all of this and you're going to be stumped and those kids are going to know like and those coaches are going to know like how is this your profession you don't even know you know this this and this like i just googled this for you know two or three hours and this is what i found like i wanted to ask you about this and it's it's very humbling as an intern but like luckily as an intern you're like hey like i don't know i'm glad you asked me that question because right. now i'm gonna flip to this page and like try to figure this out like i'm glad you asked but like I'm sorry right now I'm not the person to ask that question to. I understand that, but like, you know, I'll, I'll get you an answer, but like, if you want a real good answer, you got to ask somebody else. But, you know, having those situations as an intern is good, but like later down the road, especially when you're the the head of a, a team or sport or whatever, you, mm-hmm. you got to know why you're programming and what you're doing and stuff like that. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, we're, we're turning over to that, that, that like, why and you know especially with um the involvement of athletic trainers and stuff like that who have a little bit more background in that instead of just mm. giving it to you know the administrators to hire someone because athletic yeah. trainers know like this person knows their stuff or this person doesn't know their stuff like who do we want like probably the person that knows their stuff because i don't need to see these athletes on a consistent basis after a training session for sure right yeah and that's another thing i feel as though athletes spend a lot of time with us like i think we get the athletes more than they see the coaches than they see their head coaches right you know, so that that relationship that we have with the athletes that time that we put into the athletes you know those recovery sessions uh the, the things we put we we, we uh, encourage them or educate them on the things to put in their body like it's a, it's a lot of little things like you said that a lot of people don't see yeah. Um, and I, I think that's kind of like the cool part about uh, A&T and um, this position that I'm in right now is that Coach Rob, the head basketball coach, um, he takes into account all of that. He understands that uh, the strength and conditioning aspect is a major 
uh, part of their development and their longevity of the sport. And mm-hmm. I think he definitely, he speaks on that. He encourages it. Um, and the athletes take well to it. And I think that it's, um, it's just, uh, like I said, it's not like a domino effect. It's trickling down because he sees it. You know, he's, he's hired someone specifically for women's basketball to give all their time to women's basketball to, to encourage his athletes to be better, to give them that nutritional aspect side that they need to give them that knowledge, that educational factor. Um, you know, and I, I know a lot of programs are starting to become uh, more like that, but, you know, to see it firsthand that, uh, I guess, a sports-specific coach, like a, a head basketball coach, sees the, the benefits of having someone like this on his staff, um, it's, it's a goldmine, you know, and right. it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a building block for sure for all the athletes to come into the into this program, and it's, it's full-time, you know, like, it's <laughs> Full time with these girls, trying to get them to be the best that they can be, trying to make sure we prevent as many injuries as we can, you know, trying to to make sure they stay healthy on and off, on and off the court, you know, and and it's also a big mental aspect as well, you know, you gotta you gotta tap in a little deeper because once you see these athletes so so many times and you you know you you can get them stronger, yeah, you know you can get them faster, yeah, but you know the longevity is also going to be dependent on their mental aspect and how long they can, you know, they can go, how long because. Being a student athlete is tedious, man. I know. Yeah. Hand, it's, it's, it's tedious. It's a lot. It's a lot on their plate, you know, and on, and on top of, you know, trying to maintain good grades and be the, the I guess, the phenomenal athlete that we recruited them to be. Mm-hmm. You know, on top of that, they got to be strong. They got to be <laughs> mentally able and capable to, to get up the next day and do it all over again after they just went to sleep five hours ago. So it's, right. it's tough for sure. And like, like, to add in on that and piggyback off of that, like another stressor is like there's a good chance that these athletes that we're working with mm-hmm. is probably, you know, the the first generation of their family to be in college. So like right. that is yeah, an that's, added that's stress. Huge. Like it's yeah. it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. And that 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 burden they have on themselves. And you know, they probably won't tell you, but it's always in the mm-hmm. back of their mind. Like Right. You know, I'm doing this for my family, X, Y, and Z, and stuff like that. So you also got to take that into account as a coach. And that's why it's so mm-hmm. important to build a relationship with all of them. Because exactly. you'll be able to tell, you know, and I'm pretty sure, you know, you've seen it before. Like, the athlete's just not in it that day. Like, you just mm-hmm. tell, like, yo, like, what's going on? Like, you straight? They be like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And it's just like, nah, bro, like, I'm seeing you right now, like, your movement as opposed to how just, you are another right, day, yeah, something right. off. Yeah, like, like, like class good. Like, like your boyfriend, girlfriend got you mad. Like, like right. your dad fussed you out. Your mom fussed you out. You know, somebody ran yeah. for your dog. Like, your engine right. messed up. Like, what's going on, man? Like, like just let me know, man, because I don't need you yeah. in here. You know, giving me you know fifty percent because your mom is somewhere else. Like, mm-hmm. if we need to talk about it and let that out, man, like just let me know. Yeah, and that's, yeah, that's that's a that's another aspect of being a a strength coach or I guess a coach in general is that we as coaches get you know all of them you know all like everything that they have their mind their bodies their soul mm-hmm. and eventually they do break down eventually mm-hmm. they do go in and want to talk to somebody and have an outlet outside of I guess if they don't have an outlet an outlet at home you know we be- right. we become that listening ear to them and we have to mm-hmm. you know know how to respond. In ways that they'll they'll be, I guess, maybe they'll respond better to what we say than they would 
like their their head coach or their position coach or something like that. I know for sure I've had a bunch of I had a lot of conversations with athletes, even as a graduate assistant, when yeah. it comes to their, their mental aspect and how they're doing and you know what's next for them. I know that what's next at uh, factor is is major, especially yeah. for the seniors that may not know. That like that that level of uncertainty, man, it just it yeah. brings it brings a lot out. Like mm-hmm. you just be thinking about the daggone universe from when that happens. Right. Like, <laughs> you be over there like, man, like if this happened, what I'm gonna do with this? If but, this, yeah, yeah, all if, this, if this is, then that, like what if, what yeah. if? And it's just like, yeah. oh man, like like I like reflect back during my time in college and everything, I'm like, man, I don't know how I got through it because Mm-hmm. I remember just, you know, driving myself crazy, like, just thinking about all those things. And, like, now, like, yeah. you know, being surrounded mm-hmm. by the people I was surrounded by growing up, and, you know, just in college and my profession, like, they're like, hey, look, take care of today. Tomorrow's going to happen regardless. Exactly. Like, don't don't, right. don't kill right. yourself. Yeah. And we got to stress that to them, you know. Like you said, like, we see them, I would like to say, over 90% of the time, like, because even yeah. during the season, sure. we're still going to see them, like. There's a good chance, you know, June and July, we ain't going to see all of our athletes, but there are those sports that we are going to see. Like, and I think to add on to what you were saying about, you know, the athletes, you know, just having the ear to listen and everything, that mm-hmm. time spent, like, and just being real, just with, you know, just athletes in general, like, quality of time is pretty high up there. And, yeah. you know, when we're training them and stuff like that, and they see that, you know, we're truly concerned about, you know, even their simple, you know, biomechanics and stuff like that, they're like, yo, like, this person really cares about me doing X, Y, and Z correctly, so I don't hurt myself. And then next thing you know, let's say two or three months down the road, that person has a, a bad day, but they don't want to go to their mom, they don't want to go mm-hmm. to their coach, yeah. and the only person that they know they can go to because we truly care about them is us. And like, yeah. it's not for us to, you know, to be like, I'll oh, just suck it up and, you know, go about your day or whatever. Like, it's like, nah, like, you know, we have to have that, that, that vulnerability and just be that ear for them. And like, when they tell us things, don't try to give them a solution either because all they're going to see then is like, Oh, he's just, or she's just a authority figure giving me solution to things. I just need somebody to just, to listen to listen. me and that's that's yeah. that's big like i keep telling people man like we need to get more um mental psychology based things in athletics because we don't know what these athletes are coming from like yeah like we can say we know ex- but like we don't know exactly like there could have been plenty of things like people that came from the hood people that's been you know abused and stuff like that like it's so yeah. many like different issues and it's not easy to identify like yeah like in the CSCS mm-hmm. like we can identify you know tendencies of people who have you know a eating disorder but yeah we really don't you know harp on you know the mental side of things like if a person is super clingy or if a person is you know mm-hmm. very distant and stuff like that like how do we assess that and how do we you know address it if, mm-hmm. yes it's not our job but like we need somebody there to help us ide- identify those things yeah, no, I told I totally agree with that. Definitely, yeah, maybe a course or two will help. <laughs> yeah, because that, that, 
when they come to me and they start saying things, you know, it's just like I I don't know what to say. I don't right. know if I need to say anything, but like right. you need to talk to somebody else for sure because, you know, I'm not saying, you know, what you're saying is falling on deaf ears, but I'm pretty sure some of the things you're saying needs to be addressed. Yeah. Definitely. But um, just get get away from the mental side. You know, that's a whole different environment. That's a whole different spectrum I mean, of our job, part. man. Yeah, it's yeah. it's totally different. We could go all day about that. But <laughs> going back to what you do and everything you do as a coach, so what are the struggles you see with coaches motivating their athletes and stuff like that? Like, have you seen, you know, or been in a situation where you try to motivate an athlete and they just weren't feeling it at all? And how did you go about, you know, figuring out how to motivate that, you know, certain athlete or a certain group of athletes? Yeah, I think um, finding finding things that kind of correlate best with their personal, like, life, I feel as though kind of pushes them a little more than if I were to be like, just give me one more, like, push, push, push. Mm-hmm. But then if I, if I were to say something like, so um, – you know, like, do you do you want to win a championship <laughs> kind of thing? Right, like, right. Uh, you know, I mean, like, what are your end goals? Like, do you, if I if I know there, if I know, like, some people, I know I have a I have a little sister, and she's kind of like my why of why I do a lot of things. Um, mm-hmm. She definitely pushes me to be great because I know she's watching, and I know some athletes have you know that that could be their their pushing point, their point that that makes them go harder because they have someone watching them that's that's younger than them, someone that's looking up to them. So I may use something like that. Like I said, trying to find, trying to just kind of make it a little more personal. Like I, I guess I've had a, a few instances where, you know, an athlete may come in just just not giving their all, not giving their best. And um, I, could, I could tell, um, you know, and it's like, you're going to make the whole team run kind of thing. And it's, and then there, then there are things where, you know, you don't always want to punish them because, some people just don't take well to that. Like that, then you're just giving them like 15 extra reps of stuff, and they and they still have this mindset, and they're gonna do the same thing tomorrow. Like, right. what's gonna make what's gonna make them actually, what's gonna make it click? Like, what's gonna make make them go harder than what they were doing? So I just kind of, I think like how go, I guess kind of going back to the relationship aspect, like finding mm-hmm. out, finding a little more about the athlete, finding out what makes them what makes them tick, what makes them go. Like some people take well to to yelling and and uh that that type of pressure and then you have those athletes that's like you know don't don't call me out like that <laughs> yeah, you know don't yeah. don't don't embarrass me as they made as they would say mm-hmm. uh so i guess kind of like knowing the athlete is, is going to be huge in that point and like i said I, I try to find find things that that triggers uh i guess triggers their energy as far as maybe something that's not typical to their sport so that's kind of how i do it Oh yeah, for sure. And and like it's a it's a learning curve for sure because like you yeah. don't know until, you know, you do it. And it's like, oh, like yeah. I got this athlete. Like I can't, you know, address them the way I would address so and so. Right. Like I think for me that is still an issue for me because I'm a very super transparent person and if mm. I don't see somebody, you know, giving their all, I will call them out on it. And you know, sure. my call my call outs are different, you know. If I know the person is a, you know, outgoing person, really don't care if he does get called out, I'm gonna call him out in front of everybody. What, what I found real easy and real simple is to you know go up to that athlete 
and literally just talk mess to them the whole entire time until they really get mm. going. And like I, I'd be like, dude, like you're trash. Like, like this is your seventy five percent. This is horrible. Like, I'm I'm sorry, yeah. but like you're horrible. And they'd be looking at me like, like who is this dude? Like, like who do you think you are to talk to me like that? I'm like I'm just saying, right. bro. Like I'm just right. saying, like it's trash. And like it doesn't even matter. Like women's and men's sports, it doesn't matter. Like. I'm going to tell you that because I know, like, if I got on you and, you know, started, you know, yelling and going crazy, all you're going to do is just shut down and yeah. just get the workout done and just yeah. just do it, get out, and really don't get anything out of it. So I um I forget who I was talking to, but I told him, like, as a, a strength coach, you kind of have to be a chameleon when it comes to motivating your athletes because it's just – so many different athletes that you work with that you can't, yeah. you know, do the same thing to the variety of athletes that you have. And you have to understand, mm-hmm. you know, who you're working with and don't be upset at the athlete if they're not receptive to your way of coaching or motivating. Because if you try to, you know, put them in, you know, your way, your style and stuff like that. That's unfair to them it's because... Like, it's almost like putting them in a box. Right, right. Yeah. And it, it, it's taking who they are and their personality, you know, out of the equation and just making them not... I, I told... Dang, I forget who I was telling this to, but, like, it's like taking the individual and who they are out of it and just slapping a number on them. Like, you're going to mm-hmm. fall in line. Yeah, like, you're going to fall in line, mm-hmm. like, bump your personality, bump who you are, like, this is how we do things. And, like, yes, that has a time and place, like, like, oh, you're late to workouts or, or you didn't yeah. do this right. or Like, yeah, like, this is how we do things. But when it comes to, you know, a personal level, like, um, I forget what situation it was, but, like, athletes felt that, you know, they couldn't be themselves around coaches and stuff. Like, you're doing a disservice as a coach if any athlete feels that way. Like, an athlete mm-hmm. should be able to express themselves and not be afraid to do that, especially in front of their coaches, like, around their coaches. Like, yeah. okay, like, we got an athlete who's, you know, cussing and doing crazy stuff out in the public. Yeah, grab that fool by the ear and tell him he can't do that. But if you got an athlete out there, you know, I don't know, wearing bright clothes, got dreads or tattoos or whatever, you're talking about some, you know, that's the wrong way of doing things. Like, dude, shut up. Like, that is yeah. that person's individual preference. Like, mm-hmm. who are you to say anything about that person? Like, falling in line and stuff like that. No, no, no. That rule doesn't apply to a person's personal, you know, um, identity. Identity, yeah. Yeah. Sure. I, I, I hate to say it, but like, I feel like, you know, it's a, a lot of old school coaches who, who uh, mm. have that, you know, mindset of you know get in place fall in line type stuff and i'm like ah like yeah that worked yeah. back in the day but like <laughs> you know we're it, a new generation. yeah yeah we're in a new generation and things are yeah. always constantly evolving like you gotta get on mm-hmm. board like i'm not saying you know give up who you are as a person but you also gotta understand you know you're not like the only one in this world like you said like you said you gotta you gotta adapt Right. It's almost like you have to, you know, you have to adapt to to each individual athlete almost. And I mean, yes, like you said, you can have, you know, you can you can be in your ways, but maybe get a little bit outside of your ways to get your team on the same page. And the only way they're gonna be on the same page is if you know you have that that kind of good relationship with all of them, 
so that they can fall where you want them to fall. But if you don't, then they fall off the spectrum. Right. And, like, it's crazy, like, we talk about uh, adapting and all those things over and over again. Like, you got to, you know, train a certain way to adapt to that stimulus and stuff like that. Like, that applies to this, too. Like, we have to be able to adapt. Like, you can't be stuck in your ways. Like, yeah, I I squat 10 by 10 and, like, my max hasn't, uh, you know, going up in two or three years. You have to change and adapt to new stimulus, dude. Like, the same thing applies. Like you can't keep doing yeah, the same thing. It's, it's almost yeah. It's almost like you plateau. Right. Not yeah. like you did. Like like did, yeah, yeah. Athletes, you know, understood that coming in as a freshman, you know, and they set that standard. But if you kept it the same and expect you know a different outcome, a better outcome, there's a good chance that's not going to happen because you're on. Un, you're unwilling to adapt. Like. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand that like, you can't keep doing the same things over and over again because, like, this younger generation, us included, like, we're not, you know, our, our, um, we're not, you know, the, I guess you can say, like, representation of the older generation fully. Like, yeah, like, you know, I look like so-and-so. We do, you know, X, <laughs> Y, and Z the same. But, mm-hmm. you know, I got this other thing I got going on. I got, you know, this type of mindset on these things and stuff like that. And I feel like a lot of coaches, especially in our profession, like they have that, you know, stuck mindset of, you know, my way or the highway. And I'm like, mm. you can't apply that to everything. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we're getting up on 40 minutes right now. So I got to get to another question because I can go on that all freaking day, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> so, from what you've seen so far, you know, with uh, you being at LSU, MJP, William Penn, Bethune-Cookman, North Carolina A&T, the list is going to go on. Tune in to mm-hmm. find out. Um, what's your concern <laughs> so far with, like, just young athletes right now? Somebody told me uh, the other day that they're concerned about, you know, young athletes being super trendy and wanting to hop on, you know, the trend wave and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. what do you think? Uh, one of your concerns are about young athletes, you know, growing up. Yeah, I think that is a good one. But um, I guess the one of my biggest concerns for for, for the young athletes are, is, I guess their long longevity in the sport. And and I I I, I harp on the mental side a lot because I know as an athlete for myself, um, that took a big toll on me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of and I, I don't, I don't want to say I didn't have an outlet, but I just was like the type of athlete to keep things to myself. You know, I don't, right. I don't know if it was like a trust issue kind of thing or, or what. But I know holding things in, horned on, you know, horned on my play, horned on my academically, horned on just a lot. So, um, yeah. I think the longevity and their the mental aspect of the sport. Um, just concerns me because uh, sometimes athletes don't push through. You know, if things don't go their way, which a lot of athletes doesn't always go their way. You know, right. they say the percentage of athletes to, to go to make it to the pro is like slim, well, like one out of ten. Yeah, <laughs> it's really it's really really low. Um, and uh, you know, every uh, every athlete, at least I know a lot of scholarship athletes come in with the mindset that oh, I'm going pro. And you know, if that yep. doesn't happen. You know that that what that what next factor are you gonna break down? You know going into it, or are you gonna 
persevere and push through it. Um, so I, I, I try to harp on that as much as I can as in the position that I'm in right now and the relationship that I have with the with the ladies of the team right now. Uh, you know, I try to be as vocal as I can um, with them and, and check in on them and, um, you know, still still be a coach for sure, you know, mm-hmm. but also be, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fine line, you know, and I, and I definitely don't cross it, but I, I want them to feel, you know, comfortable and confident. So I try to instill that in, into them as, as much as I can. Um, that's kind of what I, I guess one of my concerns is just that their longevity uh, of the sport and the mental aspect of it. Yeah, I, I can definitely agree with that because, you know, especially growing up, like you just think like, I'm going to play this sport, I'm going to make it to the pros, and then, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and yada, yada, yada. And it's just like, you need somebody there to, you know, kind of bring you back to reality. Not, you know, yeah. kill your dream, but Not like, right. right. But like, tell you, like, hey, like, what else do you have planned just in case? And like, I, um, I forget who said it, like, you know, if you have a backup plan, or whatever like you're not you know fully committed to your first plan i'm just like oh like i kind of disagree with that yeah, I, saw, I saw that too and i'm like dang you know, I'm, I'm a bad person <laughs> yeah. i'm like dang like you know i do have a backup plan but like i right. am fully committed to this but like you know i'll be a fool not to have a backup plan at least like right. godly like because yeah. the worst thing that can happen is you know you go all in all chips in on your your number one plan you ain't got nothing to back up on like what you're gonna do mm-hmm. now like what's your outlook right. on life now like right. like what are you gonna yeah. do and you gotta prepare you know the people that you're around for those you know situations just ask them like hey like what else do you got like what's gonna be your uh what do they say now what's your side hustle like what's your side yeah. hustle? what yeah, you got yeah, going yeah. on right now right and like i love i love the fact that a lot of the guys i'm working with right now like they're doing um, clothing lines and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. one, yeah, one's doing, you know, yeah. Like I like it. Like, like I love supporting my guys. Like for one, it's legal, so like I can give you right. money because you're giving me a product. Like product, yes. Yeah. Like all you got to do is give me a price. I ain't gonna give you more. I ain't gonna give you less. You say it's twenty dollars. Right. You got twenty dollars. Right. You got something new coming out. It's a good chance I'm gonna buy that if it look good. <laughs> I ain't gonna buy it just to buy it now. Right. But just just having them have something just in case because, you know, like you said, like, it's slim. It's real slim. And, like, yeah, yeah like, you can go overseas and play ball and stuff like that. But, like, at the end of the day, you're going to get old. Mm-hmm. Right. And no, sports is going to go away. So, like, what are you going to do? Yeah. And, like, yeah. uh, um, a lot of my guys are talking about, you know, trying to be a sports announcer or just get into the, you know, the commentating room. I'm like, look, like, so what are you doing now? Like, what are you going to do? To, you know, stay in there. Like, that's going to, you know, keep that longevity of you being in sports now. But, like, how are you going to go about it? And I think asking those questions right there not only makes us better as coaches, but it also builds that relationship with that athlete. Because majority mm-hmm. of the time, they'd be like, nobody ever asked me that. Like, I don't know. Right. Like, I, I don't, don't know. know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd be like, you don't know. Like, you just said you're going to uh, start selling clothes. Like, how you gonna go about it? Man, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I see everybody else doing it. Yeah, I see everybody else doing it. Man, you better figure that out. Like, hop <laughs> on it now because I'm telling you, like, 
I mean, I've seen, I don't know how many daggone clothing things. Like, I'm like, look, like, I ain't got money to support all y'all now. Like, right, right, right. <laughs> like, but it's, it's, it's definitely good that you said that, though. Like, I definitely agree with the longevity with that, mm-hmm. with um, athletes. So now, flipping it on the coaches, what's your concerns with coaches? Young coaches, older coaches, really don't matter. Um, don't say I don't know now. No, I ain't about to do that. No, don't, don't, don't call me out like that. No, no, no. Um, I guess, uh, I guess like for the for the younger coaches, just making sure that we continue to. I mean, I can, I kind of I'm, I'm gonna say this actually for both. I'm gonna say this for the younger and the and the and the older coaches. I'm gonna say that we definitely should continue to uh, tap into, like, what's new. You know how we were talking about stuck in your ways kind of thing? Yeah. If it's like, given, uh, always finding ways to keep learning. Because, you know, as far as anything in life, but for sure in this field, it's always growing. There's always something new. There's always a new maybe training module or modality or uh, something that, that, that an athlete um, needs to work on that maybe we could find different ways to help it click better for them. You know, some, right. some athletes are better at the squat. Some athletes are better at the deadlift. Or then maybe we could superset all of that and turn it into something else. I mean, like, it's just like you never know. It's always right. something new. So I think it's always kind of keeping that in the, back of your, in the back of your mind that you can always learn something, even for the older coach. Because, you know, I don't, I don't know many coaches that <clears throat> are too stuck in their ways, like, personally. I mean, I, I've, of course, I've heard of coaches that may be, but... You know, personally, yeah. coaches that are stuck in their ways and don't want to don't want to grow or learn. I I, <clears throat> I haven't met any of like that. And I know when I was underneath Coach Fingers, she literally hasn't done the same training two times in a row. If that makes sense. Like every year, she, she finds something, something innovative yeah. and new. And mm-hmm. and of course, our our conferences and our meetings and talking to other coaches, you get you get more ideas. So I think I think each of us should always try to network. Each of us should always try to find ways to grow and learn from each other. You know, put yourself in positions to where, um, you know, you could you could reach out to other people and you can bring that back to the situation that you're in. And you never know, someone be in the same, someone may be in the same situation that you're in, kind of confused on, you know, what what to do. But you never know unless you ask. You never know unless you reach out. You never know, you know, unless you find ways to to be innovative and new about what you're doing. And you know the 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 generations are only getting younger. Right, <laughs> we're right. getting older. They're getting, they seem like they're getting younger. So it's like that we gotta find ways like that they can, they can always uh, that they can always tap in and and buy into what we're saying. You know, if we're if we're if we're telling them the same old uh, ABC, we might have to change it to XYZ or right. push the letters up TFW or something. You know, you <laughs> yeah. never know. So uh, I just I just I guess say. Um, just stand on top of your game and, and finding ways that uh, we can always be new or find something that we can always bring to the table other than what's already been seen. So, Right. Like, um, I was trying to figure out an example, and the only one I can really think about is um, the catapult system. Like, mm-hmm. I remember at <clears throat> first, like, not a lot of coaches really trusted it as much because mm-hmm. it was new, and they were like, oh, like, who really cares about, you know, IMAs and, you know, people's, you know, velocity when they're running, how, you know, fast they ran, how much they ran, right. you know, and all this other stuff. And I'm like, when I was learning about it in my internship, I was like, 
this is it's interesting. Like, like, like it's yeah. it's a lot to you know add in. Like you can see a person's deficiency if you know they're applying a lot of force on their um, left leg versus their right leg. Like they're swaying mm-hmm. one way, but like you can kind of tell right. you know by looking at the, you know the grass and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, like why didn't yeah. anybody hop on this? Like like everybody hop on this. Like this is yeah. you know something Some that you know tap into. Right. Right. And like it, it it makes so much sense, like, you know, to to continue, you know, the quest of more knowledge. Like you always have mm-hmm. to do that, you know. My mentor, uh, D'Antonio Burnett always said that like, you know, just because you learned this this way and it seems exciting because, you know, once like when I learn something new and I'm like, Man, like that right there, I'm putting this in, like, I'm putting this in. He right. always told me like Calm down, like, make sure, you know, this is the right thing to do, X, Y, and Z, and don't let this be the only thing you use or this. Like, there's other things out there, like. Yeah, because sometimes I guess it may not fit your, you know, your program or your athletes at the moment. You know, you can work your way up to to what they're, to what someone may show you. You know, you may not be able to just throw it in there kind of thing. So I I definitely agree with that. And I know uh, right now our athletes are using the, um, like, the polar heart rate monitors. Uh Uh-huh, yep. I mean, I, I use that. I use that as an athlete as well, but I, I didn't totally understand it. But now looking at them, um, you know, from the coaching stance, mm-hmm. standpoint, I, I see a lot. I see, you know, of course, you see their heart rate, mon- their heart rates, but I mean, you also see how hard may one be going, like one may be going, and uh, you see their their velocity of how how hard that they're training, and then you also can tell who who's calming down the fast, and that kind of shows you. Uh, that maybe they may be in some sort of shape. <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, it's, it's just a lot of little things that you can always gauge on from technology. And, and like like you said, everyone, things are growing, man, fast. You know, yeah. keep up keep up with it. You got to almost, I guess, adapt and survive and adjust and, and keep pushing you, forward because you're never you going to stop. So You got to. like, not, And I feel like, you know, coaches right now, I'm kind of agreeing with it, but like, I'm afraid that coaches are just going to do it just because, you know, we're in this, you know, recruiting first type, you know, generation, like we got to get the best kids out there. So like, Hmm. yeah, we got polos. Yeah. We got catapult. Yeah. We got, you know, sleeping pods and stuff like that. But like also understand how and when to use it. Like don't just use it to, you know, attract athletes, but then not necessarily apply it in the right way. Mm Mm-hmm. Cause uh, that that right there, like um, when I was interning at North Carolina State, like the first year, you know, um, Coach Doran, um, he pretty much like engulfed himself in catapult because he uses that as his uh, his gauge for you know how practice went and how you know the next practice should go. Like you know, should you know this person take all these reps on you know, and first this. You know, in the first group, if yesterday, you know, this dude ran close to, you know, 4,500, you know, yards or whatever, like, that's a lot of running, right. bro. Like, nah, like, you did that Monday, Tuesday, we're going to chill out. Like, Tuesday, you yeah. might go 2,000 or whatever. But, like, we have to be able to, you know, have that relationship with the athlete and the coaches to let them know, like, hey, like, you know, so-and-so, like, he redlined. Like, we got to, you know, back off on him. Because last mm-hmm. time we didn't, you know, he had a, a knee injury or a hamstring injury or a quad or something right. like that. Like, 
there's a trend going on. Like when somebody redlines and they try to do, you know, the exact same thing the next day, uh, like it's showing that these people, you know, you can't do that every day. And it it turns into, you know, programming for practice. And Mm -hmm. like, I don't think people even understand that. Like if you can use that polar or catapult or whatever to program for your practice, like it would bust open the whole entire game because now you're able to get more out of practice. Like have your twos hop in reps (laughs) and stuff like that. Because in a game, like there's a good chance your twos are going to hop in. Like they're going to hop in and and take over a little bit. You want them to be physically ready. Like I don't Mm -hmm. need my twos to hop in and like they give me a good, you know, two or three plays or three or four minutes in a game. And then after that, they're done. And I try to throw my tired one back in. Now I got two tired athletes, you know, <laughs> alternating positions. Like, once you're able to do that, like, use those tools for practice to help you out in your game, like, it's going to be crazy because now you're going to have athletes rotating in that's not tired, that's going to kill it over and over again. So, so where you have high-quality players across the board and don't have to be right. concerned yeah, that's, about that's it. Where the, that's where the communication piece comes in, like you said having that communication with the athletes, having that communication with the coaches so that they that they can rely on, you know, the system that they bought into. Because, you know, they're, they're buying the system for a reason. So hopefully, you know, they're, they're going to use it for the purposes that, you know, we as strength coaches see, see fit. Right. You know, like you said, if the athlete is, is tired and, you know, they're, they redline, we need to put in someone else. And then once they calm down, then we'll put them back in. But just realize that, you know, they've reached a limit that we shouldn't surpass right, right now. Yeah, so... I agree. Oh, yeah, for sure. And now, all right, here's here's, here's a big question. Um, right. I love getting to it just because I love seeing where, you know, people are at currently. Um, what other issues do you want to, you know, talk about and address that you don't think is uh, being put out there as much? And then uh, why do you feel that it's important that uh, whatever issue you think we need to address? Um, as as far as strength and conditioning, right? Nah, see, yeah, I told you this is a big question. Yeah. You know, this could be yeah. about anything, so it doesn't yeah. have to be about sports. Yeah, so definitely the climate of shoot the um <laughs> the country right now. Yeah, is at a is at an all time high, man, and um, I know certain you you see those people that have you know a spotlight or have a voice or have like that platform that that speak up on certain things but then you see that those same people not speaking up it it just it shows a lot it shows a lot about character mm-hmm. it shows a lot about the kind of person that they are and it is it's definitely it's definitely sad yeah. it's, it's, it's like you 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 know someone and then when things hit the fan and they don't say anything. It's like, well, who are you? Am I? Did I really get to know you the right way? Like, are you are you hiding something? Are you feeling a certain way and you just not saying it? I mean, it, I think it's definitely the situ the situation that's going on in the, in the world right now. Uh, you know, Black Lives Matter, the police, the police brutality. Like, it, it's things that's like a revolving door. I think people are just <clears throat> sometimes. I guess kind of going back to this, stuck in their ways and, and, and yeah. comfortable. And then when it when it gets awkward, when you get uncomfortable, you can tell the people that are uncomfortable because they go they go quiet, they go ghost. Right. They go ghost, ghost. Like that's 
They out, out. Like they're not even. It's very telling. It's very telling, man. And it's it's almost like choose who you who you want to be around wisely. You know, choose who you bring in your circle wisely. Like make sure the people that are around you have that same mindset as you and want to grow as you want to grow. Because you 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 never know people's true, I guess, intentions. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's like if you can if you can find that, and even in the worst moments, and they still they're still the same person, then great. But when they flip, or if they flip. <laughs> That's the true colors. Yeah, yeah. You know, you need to change up. You know, you, yeah. you know, you need to switch teams, maybe. And it may not. It may be your best friend. It may be the the mo- It may be your mentor. It may be someone that you just wish would have done things differently. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's like as, as long as we stand true to who we are. You know, we we represent what we represent and uh, speak up for those who who can't or who don't want to. Then someone's gonna hear, man. It has to be heard somewhere. Like, right. It, it has and you know that's why i feel like you know doing this podcast is important man like you know like like you said like when when all these issues are going on especially with you know the police brutality and just the the nonsense of all that going on like the people that you think would speak up not speaking up like or, or they're speaking up, but not necessarily hitting, you know, the topics that they should be hitting or, you know, addressing the things that should be addressing. It's like, wow, like, you know, I thought you were so-and-so, like, doing X, Y, and Z, but, like, now things are getting tough. Maybe your job is on the line if you say something, you know, that's against, you know, your boss or whoever, like, right? there's a good chance. Like, me, like, I'm just the type of person, like, I don't want to work for someone who's not going to support right from wrong and you know obviously um all of us can agree like you know pr- police brutality is wrong mm. there's no, no way around it like you can say like oh like it looked like you know his cell phone was a gun or he should have you know been more you know uh 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 respectful to the to the officer you know yeah he had his you know his his face on the ground, but he didn't have his uh, his hands behind his back and all this other crap. It's like, nah, like, yeah, we, yeah. for one, you know, we're paying taxes to these people to be properly trained to protect us, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's to protect <laughs> answer. Yeah. Right, like, yeah. we're, like, we're paying you guys, and like, um, I forget where I saw the post, but like, it was, it threw me for a loop when I saw it. It said that barbers do more hours than uh, police in the training academy. And I was like, what? Wow. Yeah, like, I was like, nah, like, that can't be true. And then they showed, like, I think it was like, like, barbers did, like, almost, like, 2,000 hours more than... Um, wow, 2,000? Uh, yeah, like, and I was just like, yo, like, you telling me that my barber is more equipped to cut my hair than an officer? Right, than the protect me on the... That's wild. I was like, that's, that, that's wild, and, like, like, a lot of people feel some type of way when they say, you know, defund um, the police system. I'm like, I, when people say it, like, there is it's two coins to it, I feel like. It's two sides of the coins. Like, some people are saying, like, get rid of police officers as a whole. And I'm like, uh, nah, like, we still need somebody to protect people. Yeah. What we need to do is have other, um, have other, uh, sectors of the protecting and service so like we need more mentally capable professionals Mm. out there we need 
uh, de-escalators and stuff like that. It it means you know don't give all money to you know the the police system as a whole. Like let's you know take yeah. a chunk and put it here and like yeah like let's say there is a potential domestic abuse or something like that before we start mm-hmm. rolling in with you know the the red and blue. Let's go ahead and, and have somebody go in there that's going to you know hopefully de de-escalate the whole entire situation and if it's right. you know too hostile yeah. then you know we yeah, hit that yeah. red button like all right like we need cops in here you know get this right, dude right. or whatever yeah, like I mean, the whole system if, if everyone in the system is going to be hotheads like right where is the where is the level at like right like, like line, you know like we we think that you know the officer is coming in to be the mediator but in reality like buddy just got out you know the academy you know I could even say, yeah, like two days ago, like he's a hot head too, trying to prove himself. So like, we don't need that person in a situation, especially with, you know, someone who's mentally ill or something like that. Like they're not, it's not in their scope to, you know, handle and, you know, address that. Like we need somebody who's able to identify that and do what they need to do to uh, address that. But you got a hot head officer and they're like, oh, he's just being you know, non-compliant. That's why, you know, right. I, I had to throw them to the ground and stuff like that. Like, no, like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah you are, there, are, there are definitely other ways to de-escalate situations. Right. Besides forceful. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't and, know. I think, I, think I, wanna, I think one of my athletes, she has like a TED Talk on her page. Um, and she was kind of, she was going deep into this, to this topic and conversation. And one thing that stood out to me that she said was that, uh, you know, certain... Well, okay. Uh, you know, the other race doesn't have that talk that we have when it comes uh-huh. to getting pulled over, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, you don't. A lot, a lot of people haven't had to talk to keep your hands on the steering wheel or let them, let them you make eye contact, but only when they're speaking to you. You know, like let them know, okay, I'm, I'm about to reach my right hand to open up the glove compartment to take out. Like no one, you know, but, like but, no one. A lot of people don't have that conversation because they don't right, have to have it. Right. That uncomfortable part of like being who we are. I don't. It's it's. And we could talk about this all day. This is like, tough, like, like that. Yeah, yeah. That that yeah, that's, that's a whole nother podcast for a whole nother yeah, thing. Yeah, like yeah, that situation yeah. right there, like, and it's not even like that's not even the full talk. Like that's a a portion of a the portion talk. Of, like, yeah. like yep. there's so many other things that you know my dad, you know, sit me down and just talk about. But like, look, like son, like if you're a hothead and you know you're upset <clears> in public, <throat> there's a good chance officers are going to come, and if they yeah. come there's a good chance you're not coming home. Like, yeah. and I'm just like, that hit me so hard. I was like, like, what do you mean? And the next thing right. you know, um, I think he told me that in 2009 or 2010. Mm-hmm. And then Trayvon Martin happened. And I was just Dang. like, this is what so he's, talking, is what he's talking, about. talking about. Right. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. and once you see something like that firsthand, you understand that talk and like <sighs> driving. Wow, man. Like at night, like I'm in Mississippi mm-hmm. right now. I'm telling you right oh, now, like, yeah, no. There's not many times I'm dropping that night in Mississippi. I'm sorry, like it's just I mean I do it, but trust and believe me, I got my wallet on the dash. Yeah. I got all my 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 uh insurance, all that stuff on the dash just because I don't know what's gonna happen and who right. I'm dealing with. Right. That's the right. big thing. Like I don't know who I'm dealing with and what's their true intentions. Yeah, yeah. I I yeah, I just will never know like what's I would never know like what's their biggest fear and 
and us. It's scary. Like, you should never be in that situation, but, like, you know, we're in that situation and we have to address it. Like, you know, our community is just afraid of, you know, the police system. And it's just like, you know, on their badge, it says to, you know, protect and serve. But, like, who does that apply to? Like, is it only certain situations it applies to? You know, oh, they got in a car accident. Yeah, I'm going to protect and serve now. Oh, you know, there's two kids fighting or playing with water guns in the park. Yeah. Oh, I got to go de-escalate this situation because these kids don't know how to act or something like that. I'm just like, no, like they're kids. Like, let them be kids. Yeah, yeah. Like, go tell them, like, don't run in the street. Yeah, but like, don't freaking, you know, take their, you know, water guns away from them. And then one of the kids get mad. And now, you know, you want to teach this kid a lesson or something like that. Like, right. first of all, like, you don't need to teach anybody else's kid a lesson. How about go talk right. to that parent and let them know, like, hey, your son said X, Y, and Z to me. We both agree and know that's unacceptable. And we need mm-hmm. to address this like yesterday because, to be honest, he got lucky with dealing with a person like me. I know, you know, some people in my precinct probably uh, would have thrown him in jail or whatever. So mm-hmm. we need people like that in that profession because it's, it's scary having hotheads go to <laughs> like, go try and de-escalate a situation with another hothead. Like that's not mm-hmm. going to work. Yeah. That's not even. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. We could go on all day about that. Right. But um, we get into that time where I got to wrap things up. Um, Before we go though, go ahead. Just drop all your contact information. If you like, I'm pretty sure. There's going to be um, some people that want to reach out to you, you know, just connect with you, network with you, and all those things. Yeah, for sure. So uh, you guys can look me up on Instagram. I'm uh, all period that underscore one underscore jazz, J-A-S. That's my my Instagram. Um, Twitter, I think it's the same. I'm pretty sure it's the same thing. Um, And then my email address is uh, is J. O R H O D S at uh, ncat.edu. So I'm um, definitely available for any type of conversation, any type of networking. You know, even if it's if it's just to reach out and, and talk a little shop. So I'm I'm all for. It. So I really appreciate this, Coach. Oh yeah, no problem. Like I appreciate y'all being on, man. Like you, you were one of the people I was like, look, I, I got to get her on because I know she has a a lot to say, and you did. Like oh, yeah. I got a lot more. Well, I'm super excited about it, man. I told I told the head coach of, I was telling the head coach about it, so I'm gonna definitely send whenever you drop the link or whatever. I'm gonna definitely send it to him, and I know he'll he'll uh, broadcast it as well. And you know, hopefully that'll get you some you know some more views and more people probably reach out to you as well. Like I really appreciate this. Oh yeah, I appreciate that for sure. But we're definitely gonna um, connect later down the road for sure. Cause I definitely oh, got I- more questions for you. Best believe that. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. I'm, I'm, and vice versa. Don't, don't. We <laughs> definitely gonna be exchanging some questions for sure. <laughs> okay, for sure. All right, appreciate it. All right, take care. You too.